And uh, it's always kind of interesting to me when we go systematically, we, we seem to, to hit themes that, that are consistent. Today we're going to talk about gathering ourselves together. And, uh, and then Sunday morning we're going to talk about the early church, the, the church born on the day of Pentecost that added 3,000 members and they committed to four things, to doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking the bread and to uh, to prayers, and so uh, we're going to talk about number two of that Sunday, and talk about uh, community coming together, sharing life together, and uh, and so uh, kind of a theme that we'll look at the next two times. So today we'll look at Zephaniah's command to gather yourselves together um, to assemble, and so I'm glad we were able to assemble tonight to come together and open God's word and study together. And before we open God's Word, um, prayer needs, prayer concerns, certainly we're all concerned about our, our country and the uncertainty. All right. Well, we are in Zephaniah chapter 2. Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 1. The prophet says, Gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together, O undesirable nation, before the decree is issued or the day passes like chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord anger comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. And so Zephaniah has described the unacceptable and false worship of Judah and Jerusalem. He has described their complacency. Uh, They're satisfied with the state of their lives. Uh, They know that they have not been walking in obedience to God, that they have uh, engaged in false worship and syncretism we talked about, trying to combine the worship of Yahweh with the worship of the gods of their neighbors. They were worshiping God in their self-styled way, ways that were comfortable and convenient to them instead of the way that God had directed that he would be worshiped. Uh, they're seeking their comfort, their personal preferences, instead of uh, walking in obedience to God. And so they know they've been disobedient. Prophets called them... To uh, expose their sin, uh, and they're disobedient to God, and yet they're okay with that. They're okay with disobedience because their lives are largely comfortable. They seem secure, and they believe that God cannot be counted on to bless them, but they also do not fear uh, that He will discipline them or punish them in any way. Uh, you know, Zephaniah has called them out in, in chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, and, uh, well, it's, uh, it's not 13. Where is it? Where God will not do good or evil. Uh, verse 12. Uh, they say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. So they, they, they don't believe that God will bless them. They don't believe that God will punish them. They believe that they are just comfortable and complacent in their, in their lives. And Zephaniah has tried to shock them out of this complacency. And, uh, you know, this is just an example of God's grace and God's mercy. You know, God would be perfectly righteous just to wipe us out when we sin without any warning. He doesn't have to send warning of His judgment. He is the Creator. He has declared His glory to us and what He's made. He's made His invisible attributes clear and uh, uh, to be seen by us, even His eternal glory and Godhead, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1. Uh, because God has made His glory known to us, and that which He has created, we are without excuse. 
He created us in His own image so that we might bring Him glory. And if we refuse to worship Him as Lord and give Him the glory that He deserves, or if we steal glory for ourselves, we deserve His wrath. We deserve His justice. And God would be perfectly justified in pouring out His wrath without any warning because we are without excuse. We've seen His glory in the things that He's created and we choose to worship the created thing instead of the Creator. We are without excuse. And not only has He declared His glory in the things that He's made, but Paul also tells us in Romans that He's written His law upon our hearts. We know right from wrong. You know, when, when we do what we know to be wrong, when we violate our conscience and we go against that law of God written on our heart, written on the heart of every man, we deserve His wrath. And, uh, and so God would be perfectly justified in pouring out His wrath without any warning, without calling a prophet, without sending forth His word. We are without excuse. Jerusalem, Judah, or without excuse. And, and even more, uh, His people, the people of Jerusalem, the people of Judah, are even more without excuse because God has given them His Word. He gave them the book of the covenant at Mount Sinai. He told them what would happen if they broke His covenant. He gave them adequate warning. He told them who He was. He told them what He required of them. And He told them what would happen if they were obedient. And if they were obedient, they would receive the blessings of His covenant. He need also told them what would happen if they were disobedient. Um, Zephaniah hadn't told them anything new. Zephaniah had just called to their remembrance the things that God had revealed in His Word and even the Word that had been recovered during the reign of Zephaniah. Zephaniah doesn't, or Josiah, Zephaniah hasn't told them anything new. He simply exposed and explained and applied what had been handed down by God and written down by Moses. They'd been warned. And God would be completely justified in sending His wrath without warning. God had shown them mercy. He had been long-suffering. He had been patient. He had endured centuries of their rebellion. And they mistook His mercy for weakness. They thought His mercy meant that they could get away with anything. They thought His mercy meant that He was content to look the other way when they sinned. But God's mercy is not weakness, it's kindness. His mercy gives us an opportunity to repent. He stays His hand and He holds out grace. And He calls His prophet to expose sin and to call to repentance. But even in the time of mercy, He doesn't have to issue a warning. The warning is the gift of His grace. Zephaniah is called to, to warn the people and he drew a devastating picture of God's wrath. Uh, we saw it in, in chapter 2. It's a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities. He paints a terrible, devastating picture of God's wrath. And he says, the mighty men will cry out. They'll walk like blind men. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh will be scattered like manure on a field. He paints a vivid picture of God's wrath, He issues a warning. And then in our text tonight, He calls them to repent. And don't misunderstand this call to repentance. The, the prophet is not saying that the arrival of the day of the Lord can be turned back. He is not saying that 
the arrival of the day of the Lord, God's wrath, the day of God's wrath can be delayed. The time has been set. It's near. It's hastening, he said in chapter 1, verse 14. It's coming quickly. The time has been decided. It cannot be changed. However, there is a chance that the repentant can be protected on that day, that the repentant might be hidden. And here, Zephaniah is making a play on his name. His name means Yahweh hides. And in chapter 2, verse 3, he says, it may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. And so God in His mercy and grace sends out a warning. He warns of the day of wrath to come and how devastating and terrible it will be. And He also issues a call to repentance. And the call to repent comes in four commands. Gather together, seek the Lord, seek righteousness, seek humility. And so the first thing that we see in this call to repentance is the command to gather together. Verse 1, gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together, O undesirable nature. Now the word that it's used here is used uh, uh, to describe the gathering of stubble. And, uh, and, and really when he says, O undesirable nation, that's the word for, for stubble. And uh, this, this, uh, this phrase is actually used three, three times. Uh, this picture, this word picture is used three times in the Scripture. Do you remember the first, one of the first commands that Pharaoh gave when, when Moses and Aaron came and, and approached Pharaoh and demanded that Pharaoh let the people of Israel go, the children uh, of Israel, the, the, the people of God go? What was one of the first responses that Pharaoh had to Moses' demand that, that he let Israel go? Anybody remember? Okay, yeah, he, he didn't believe the signs. In his response, he issued a command to his taskmasters. Yeah, he's going to make it harder on them by not providing straw. Yeah, so one of the first commands is that uh, uh, he orders taskmasters not to give the slaves straw with which to make bricks. They, had to, they, would, they, they, they would no longer be given straw. They would have to go and gather straw themselves, and yet their quota was to remain the same. They had to make the same number of bricks, even though they had to go gather the supplies for those bricks themselves. So instead of being given straw with which to make the bricks, they had to go and gather the straw themselves. And the the overseers tell them, this is Exodus 5, verse 10, uh, the overseers tell them, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourself straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. And then the text says, So the people scattered abroad throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And so when they went and gathered, the quality of what they gathered was not even as good as the straw that they had once, that had once been provided for them. The good straw had been harvested, and all that was left was the stubble. And that was what the people gathered. They went and gathered stubble. Two other uses of this word. The second's in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 15, verse 32 and 33. While Israel was in the wilderness, a man was caught gathering stubble on the Sabbath. Um, and presumably to build a fire. He was gathering stubble with which to build a fire on the Sabbath. 
And what was the response of Moses and the children of Israel to the man who gathered stubble on the Sabbath? Anybody remember? They stoned him to death. It was a capital offense to gather stubble on the Sabbath. And so he was taken out and he was stoned to death. The next usage is in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 10. Uh, Elijah the prophet is sent to Zarephath during a terrible famine. You remember after the, uh, 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 because of Jezebel and Ahab, Elijah went and announced that it wasn't going to rain for three years, and so a terrible famine was in the land, and God was going to provide for his prophet, and he provided for him for a while by a brook and by a raven, and then he sent him to Zarephath. And when Elijah got to Zarephath, he came across a widow who was gathering stubble. And she says that she only has a handful of flour and a little oil, and she's gathering stubble so that she might prepare the flour and oil into a loaf, and that will be the last meal for her and her son. And Elijah tells her to make a cake for him and that, and that the uh, oil and the flour won't run out until uh, uh, the end of the famine, but she's gathering stubble to make a fire. All right, so the prophet captures this idea when he says, gather together, O undesirable nation, gather together like stubble. And, and what he's saying is Judah is worth no more than stubble. They need to come together and acknowledge their worthlessness. They need to acknowledge their uselessness. They need to acknowledge that they are worthy of nothing but being gathered and cast into a fire. They need to come together in, in humility because he calls them an undesirable or a shameless nation. Useless. They are a shameless nation. They do not long for the Lord. And so he calls them to come together, acknowledging their worthlessness. The fact that they are without excuse. God has given them His law. They have blatantly disregarded His law. They have done what they want to do. They have been disobedient. And then they have become complacent, thinking that God's not going to bless them. He's not going to discipline them that they are just responsible to make them to make their own way. They are a nation that does not long for the Lord. But there's time. There, there's very little time, but there's time. Uh, verse, verse 2, well, yeah, verse 2, the prophet uses the word before three times. Before the decree is issued, or the day passes like chaff. Before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you. Before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. So he emphasizes this, 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 this opportunity. It's, it's brief. Like a woman in labor, the purpose of Yahweh is about to give birth to wrath. And it's going to blow away all that have not been gathered in repentance. The, the wrath will come and it will suddenly blow upon them like wind comes and blows shaft off the field. Once the day arrives, there will be no more opportunity for repentance. It will come on them suddenly and there will not be time to repent. Zephaniah warns them that the sinner must not wait for the day of the Lord to humble himself before the Lord. Now it's true, and Paul says it in uh, Philippians, it's true that Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But for many, that bowing and that confession will come tragically too 
late. And so the repetition of the word before shows the urgency. Don't wait. Gather yourselves together now. His wrath will come suddenly and it will consume all of those who are not prepared for that day. And so he issues the command, gather yourselves together. And this is not an opportunity. It's not going to delay the coming of God's wrath. That day has been set. That day is going to happen. It is approaching near. But before it comes, you need to make yourselves ready. You need to gather together in humility and seek the Lord. So the first command is gather yourselves together. The second is seek the Lord. Just like he says before three times, he also says seek three times. Seek the Lord. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. What should we do before the coming of the Lord? We need to seek the Lord. We need to seek His righteousness. We need to seek humility. And, uh, you know, like the people on the day of Pentecost, you remember in Acts chapter 2, we talked about Peter exhorting the people to be saved from their perverse generation. Well, the people of Zephaniah's day are being called to come out from those who had, who had turned back from following the Lord. Verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6. Those who have turned back from following the Lord, those who have not sought Him or inquired of Him, they are to come out from that perverse generation and they are to seek the Lord. Come out from the people who aren't seeking the Lord, who aren't inquiring of Him. Come out from them and seek the Lord. And uh, he mentions two kinds of people in verse 3 that he's calling on to seek the Lord. What, what two kinds of people does he, is he calling to seek the Lord? The meek, the humble, and the ones who have upheld his justice. That's right. So he, so he calls out these two groups of people. There are those, the meek of the earth, and the ones who have upheld justice. The ones who set themselves apart from their neighbors, refusing to trust in their wealth and refusing to oppress their neighbors in the pursuit of wealth. And yet even that humility and that justice can't save them. They're called to further humble themselves and seek righteousness anew. So it calls them to forget any idea of self-sufficiency and run to the Lord. Run to the Lord in humble dependence. They're to recognize their weakness, their need, their brokenness, their helplessness, and to run to the Lord for safety. God is the only place where they can find safety from His wrath. God is the only place where we can find safety from His wrath. When God saves us, He saves us from Himself. When, he, when we come to Him in repentance and faith, God saves us from His wrath. And so refuge from the consuming wrath of God can only be found in God Himself. And so Zephaniah says, before the decree is issued, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you, seek the Lord, run to the Lord for safety. The refuge, safety from the consuming wrath of God can only be found in God Himself. And so if you hope to be saved from His wrath, run to Him. Seek Him. Seek the Lord. What should we do before the day of the Lord comes? We should seek the Lord. Seek the Lord while He may be found. So the second command is seek the Lord, you meek of the earth, you who have upheld His righteousness. The, the, the third command is seek righteousness. They're to seek a right relationship with God. They are to come to the Lord and they are to seek His righteousness. They, they are to come to Him in covenant faithfulness. And the Scripture tells us the righteous will live by faith. 
Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and, and, and Abraham's faith led him to a radical obedience to God, even to, to sacrifice his son, in whom all the promises God had ever made to him were embodied in Isaac. And, and he, he showed the reality of his faith by his willingness to offer Isaac as a burnt offering, believing that God could raise him from the dead. He, he was justified by his faith, and his faith was justified, was shown, was revealed, was shown to be true and valid by his faith by his actions, by his obedience. And God said, I know you fear me because you have not withheld your only son, your only son whom you love. You've not withheld from me. And so uh, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. We are made righteous by faith. A faith that leads to radical obedience. Uh, We can obey God because we believe God, because we trust God. And we're credited righteous by our faith. A faith that, remember James, faith that works. And so the people of Zephaniah's day are called in the same way to to believe the Lord, to believe God, and to show their trust through their obedience. Their obedience to the covenant. uh, covenant. They're called to the obedience of faith. And uh, God is the standard of righteousness, and we become righteous when we align ourselves with His will. And so, uh, before the day of the Lord, seek the Lord. Seek righteousness. Seek a right relationship with God. Humble yourselves and come before Him in in dependence and faith and trust in Him and demonstrate that trust through your obedience. Seek a right relationship with God through covenant faithfulness. Align yourself with His will. Demonstrate your faith through your obedience. And then the fourth command, seek humility. Seek humility. You know, sinners who are proud of their own way turn their backs on God and don't seek them. They don't inquire of them. That's their people. They've turned back from following the Lord, verse 6. They've not sought the Lord or inquired of Him. The, the, the proud turn their back on God and trust in their own way. But the humble trust Him and turn to Him and seek to do His commands. And so the prophet has exposed their sin, and now he calls them to repentance. And repentance requires that we turn our whole self to God. Repentance is not just feeling bad about your sin. Repentance is not just feeling guilty, feeling shame, feeling remorse. Repentance is a turning, a turning of the whole self to God in faith. And so repentance... You know, we think of repentance as turning away, but implied in the turning away is turning to. It's a change of mind. Change your mind from finding safety and security in your own way and the things of this world and turn your whole self to God in faith. Your understanding, your desires, your affections, your will, your mind, your heart, your soul. Repentance requires your whole being being turned toward God. And only a person that's been humbled, only a person that has a broken and contrite spirit will turn to the Lord in humility. And so Zephaniah calls them to recognize their neediness and their helplessness and to turn in complete and total dependence upon God. Humble yourself. Recognize your 
worthlessness, your helplessness, your hopelessness, and run to God. Seek the Lord. Seek a right relationship with Him in humble repentance. And so he, so the command to repentance, four commands. Gather yourselves together like stubble, recognizing your worthiness. Come together in community. Seek the Lord. Seek a right relationship with Him. Humble yourself before the Lord. Don't wait until His wrath comes to humble yourself. Humble yourself now. And then He holds out hope. And notice what He says. It might be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. So Zephaniah's listeners are called to hope in, but not presume on God's mercy. God's terrifying day of judgment will come, and it will come upon the whole land, and it will bring terrifying punishment. But the humble, those who have sought to obey Him, those who have sought humility and a, new, and a renewed righteousness, might find shelter. They might find a hiding place on that day. This promise holds out a possibility. Only judgment is certain. And the only course of action that provides any hope is to gather together, to seek the Lord, to seek righteousness, and to seek humility. There's no promise of safety, only the possibility. Seek the Lord, and it may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. And so this is an important verse that, that you know, rule number two of our biblical interpretation is we let the Scripture interpret Scripture. And so uh, when we let Scripture interpret Scripture, we know that the, the, the eternal purposes of the Lord will be fulfilled. His purpose will not be frustrated. We know from the New Testament that he will not lose a single one that is connected to him by faith. He will not eternally lose a single person that comes to him by faith. Whoever comes to the Lord, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. And so the one that comes to him by faith has already passed through the judgment of God. For those in the Old Covenant that come to him by faith, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. David confessed his sins and, and uh, believed God and his sins were taken away. Those in the Old Covenant, God sees their faith and He looks past their faith in the future to the sinless life and the atoning death of Jesus Christ and credits their sin to Jesus and credits His righteousness to them. They believe God. They believe the promise. They show their faith through their obedience and God credits them righteousness looking at the sacrifice of Jesus as an atonement for their sin. He looks at the future and he sees the death of Jesus on the cross and his wrath against all who believe. And those, uh, he credits righteousness. And for us, for those of us on this side of the cross, when we come to God in repentance and faith, God looks back to the sinless life of Jesus and the atoning death and credits our sin to him and credits his righteousness to us. And in Christ there is no condemnation. And so those who are in Christ have nothing to fear from the final and ultimate day of the Lord. And the resurrection of Jesus from the dead proves that. Alright, and remember when we talked about the day of the Lord, 
There is the ultimate final day of the Lord. And then there are lots of days of the Lord uh, in human history that did not bring human history to its final consummation. And so Zephaniah is speaking of, we, we talked about this and all the prophets, you know there is the day of the Lord when Jesus returns, but there is the day of the Lord where God brings His discipline, His wrath, His judgment on His people. Uh, and, uh, and so there are those precursor days of the Lord where God invades human history without bringing it to an end and brings His wrath and His judgment. And so those who are in Christ, those who believe, who have been who believe God and it was credited to them as righteousness, have nothing to fear in that final day of the Lord. But what about those intermediate days of the Lord? When we let Scripture interpret Scripture, we see that even God's chosen people might be caught up in the difficulties of those days of the Lord. God's chosen people may undergo very severe difficulties, severe discipline. In this world, the righteous might suffer alongside the unrighteous. When Judah was taken into exile and Jerusalem was destroyed, the humble and righteous Jeremiah suffered greatly. One only need to read the book of Jeff, Zephaniah, and, I mean Jeremiah, and the book of Lamentations to see how much Jeremiah, the humble, righteous Jeremiah, suffered during the day of the Lord. God's judgment upon Judah and Jerusalem. Jeremiah, the righteous, was caught up with the unrepentant, and he experienced great suffering. He suffered with the rest of the nation. He suffered right alongside the unrepentant. And also, when, when Judah was taken into exile and Jerusalem was destroyed, the righteous Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, they were also caught up in the exile. And they suffered precisely because they were righteous. You might know Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The righteous were carried away with the unrepentant, and they suffered. And uh, uh, and, and you know, uh, where here where where uh, Zephaniah says it might be that you will be hidden in the days of the Lord's wrath. You remember what uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said when Nebuchadnezzar was going to commanded them to bow down to his idol, or he was going to throw them in a fiery furnace. They said, "Yeah, they said the God we serve." He is able to save us. Even if He does not, we will not bow down to your idol. And so, in these intermediate days of the Lord, the expression of God's wrath, sometimes the righteous suffer right along with the unrighteous and the unrepentant. It's like Jeremiah and Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. The righteous were carried away with the unrepentant and suffered precisely because they were righteous. And so Zephaniah says, seek the Lord. And it may be that you'll be hidden on the day of the Lord's anger. And the Lord will preserve for Himself a remnant. But even that remnant, that righteous remnant, sometimes 
will suffer right alongside their unrighteous country folk. And so Zephaniah has exposed the sin. He's exposed their complacency. And now he calls them to repentance. Calls them to repentance with four commands. Gather together. Seek the Lord. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Recognize that you are undeserving. That you are not worthy. Come to God in humility and in faith. And come to Him and trust the obedience of faith. And so there's some practical application for us in this passage. First, a theme that we'll also consider on Sunday. Gather together. Gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together. You know, the people of God are called out of their perverse generation. They're called out of the generation that does not seek the Lord. That uh, uh, doesn't seek Him, doesn't inquire after Him, that turns back from following Him. But they're not called to do it alone. They're called out from those people, but they're called to a new community. He doesn't call us to travel across the deserts of this life alone. He doesn't call us to endure difficulties by ourselves. Nor does He call us to enjoy the blessings and His provisions alone. We're called together. Other people are called to be our partners. We're called to share life together. We come together in humility. We come together seeking the Lord. We come together to sing our praises to Him. We come together uh, because... Uh, other pieces of stubble are one of the means that God uses to hold us, to preserve us, and to equip us to persevere to the end. And so Zephaniah open, opens the call to repentance with a call, with a summons for the humble to gather together. Partnership with others in the family of faith the community of grace, and in the New Testament, the body of Christ. You know, partnership with others helps us grow in holiness. God will preserve His people. His people will persevere to the end. But the partners in the gospel are one of the means that God uses to hold us to Himself. I talked last week about the need to gather together to stir up good works and love. Hebrews chapter 10. We need the family of faith, the community of grace, the body of Christ to help us grow in holiness. And that's so important because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And our body, our faith family, our community is one of the means that God uses to grow each of us in holiness. And so it's very important that we gather ourselves together. In humility, recognizing I don't have all the gifts that the, the body needs, the church needs. No one of us is gifted in every way that the church needs. We come together with our different giftedness, our different talents, our different missions, and we together form the body of Christ in the world. We'll talk more about that on Sunday. And so gather together. Gather yourselves together. He calls us out of our perverse generation. He calls us together to a new people of God, a new community. And then 
we should continue seeking the Lord, pursuing righteousness and humility. Zephaniah wants his hearers to have an all-consuming hunger for the Lord. He wants them to be set free from the temporary pleasures of this world and to find satisfaction and safety and security in Him alone. That same call goes out of the New Testament. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And Jesus stressed the importance of seeking God's kingdom and His righteousness. So righteousness and humility go hand in hand. We can only come to God. We can only come to God completely when we turn from all forms of our pride and we value God above all else. When we come to God valuing Him above all else, we also commit to justice, to community, and we see the value of others who are created in His image. And so only in humility, when we humble ourselves, will we recognize our need for a Savior and come to God in repentance, believing that when Jesus died on the cross, God poured out the full force of His wrath on all who come to Him in repentance and faith. And God raised Him from the dead to show that sacrifice was accepted. We're to seek righteousness. And it's not a righteousness that comes from works of the law. It is a righteousness that is through faith and trust in Jesus. And so we come together in a community of grace, others who have trusted in Christ and recognizing our dependence on Him and our interdependence on one another as we gather together in humility seeking the Lord seeking His righteousness and seeking humility and so we should pray that God will wean us off the fleeting pleasures of this world the fleeting pleasures of sin and fill us with the satisfaction in all that God is for us in Christ Jesus and we will experience difficulties in this world. But when we put our trust in Jesus, we have nothing to fear in the final and ultimate day of the Lord. All right, questions about Zephaniah's call to repentance. All right, let's pray together. Lord God, we are so thankful for your mercy and your grace. Lord, we're thankful that we live in a day of mercy. God, that you are holding back the expression of your wrath that our world deserves. And you're not pouring out that which we have earned. But we're living in a day of mercy. And God, we pray that you would grant us the grace not to presume upon your mercy and think because you have been patient and long-suffering that judgment is not going to come. Lord, help us to believe the truth of your word that the day of the Lord is near. And Lord, may we take advantage of these days of mercy and seek your grace. May we seek you, seek your righteousness that comes by faith humble ourselves, and recognize our complete and total dependence upon You. Lord, help us to be saved from the fleeting pleasures, the, 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 the focus on the temporary. 
looking for things of this world for safety and security. And Lord, help us to run to you. Lord, we pray that we would find shelter. We would find refuge. And as we endure difficulties in this world, difficult circumstances, uh, the sins of others against us, Lord, hold us, protect us, hide us. And Lord, thank you for this community of grace and help us in our commitment, our faithfulness to assemble together, to gather, and together seek you and seek righteousness and seek humility. Lord, hold us together and help us as we seek to be instruments of your grace in each other's lives. Stirring up love and good works. Helping each other grow in holiness and grow in righteousness and grow in faith. And Lord, we pray also that we would be passionate to sound the alarm before the day comes, before your wrath, before your anger. Lord, help us to call those we know and love to seek you, to seek righteousness, to seek humility. Help us be faithful. And we pray that by your grace you would make it fruitful. And you would call people out of a perverse generation and add to our number those that are being saved from the wrath to come. We pray that you do it for your sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.